Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to the Glass Cannon Network, the premier source for role-playing game entertainment. Welcome to Cannon Fodder, a behind-the-scenes look at the Glass Cannon Network. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Cannon Fodder. It is Wednesday, <laughs> January 17th, 2024. Uh, Troy has thrown me off with some visual humor <laughs> for those listening on the pod. What in the hell is that? That is uh, a little uh, dude known as Haster, the Yellow King. You ever heard oh, of him? Oh, dear. This is my Yellow King statue that I leave on my desk. It's really one of the only things I have here uh, besides the light that's supposed to make you not have seasonal affective disorder. <laughs> I'm going to leave that on for the whole show. It's a yeah, yeah, that doesn't look creepy at all. Uh, <laughs> welcome back, everybody. Uh, it's it's a whole new FOD, a whole new week. Uh, Troy and I once again are starting off a week under the uh, heavy hand of another storm. We were shoveling pre-show. Uh, yeah. the, the snow is coming down here on the East Coast. And, uh, man, I'll tell you what drives me nuts is what drives me nuts. This is so bad, <laughs> but I get, I get up, uh, yeah, I get up early. I make the kids lunches. I'm, I empty the dishwasher. I'm like looking outside. The snow's coming down. It's all kind of piled up. The kids have a late opening today, which by the way pushes the recording of fodder back. Yeah. And I'm like, they're going to ask me to go out and play in the snow. Like I know they are. And like, do you know how much shit that I have to do after the long weekend to like get prepped and get ready for fodder and get ready for a live stream today that I'm doing for deadlands. But it was yesterday when this airs and uh, they're just like, can we go outside? And I feel like a monster. Troy. <laughs> I'm like, what happened to me? Cause I'm just like, there's too much to do. We can't do it. You can't go play in the snow. <laughs> and then, of course, breakdown, emotional breakdown. And then it's like, all right, yeah, go go play in the snow. Like, we'll figure it out. <laughs> Dude, it's a real problem. So I, uh, we usually work on bank holidays, but I took off on Friday and did my annual uh, winter Lake Placid trip with a family. And it was funny. I left here, no snow, went up there, and we had like three feet of snow. It just constantly snowed. And I love it. We, My wife and I, we both love like the cold, the snow, everything. The kids are loving it. And then I, uh, we got back home yesterday, which was Monday, um, if you're watching slash listening. And uh my mom was here watching my cat uh, with her friend. They'd like come up. This is their little winter getaway uh, to hang out and watch Linus. 
And then today they left and I'm like, all right, I got to go shovel. And I just see um, uh, the kids got the day off from school because you got the delay. We got the day off. I don't even think it's that bad out there, but it's just constant. And so, uh, I mean, it's great when you're a kid, but as a parent, I'm like, all right, gotta go, gotta go play my pretend uh, job. Good luck. <laughs> like with the awful work of like taking the kids, getting them all the ski pants and the boots on. I always feel like such a goof going down. Cause I imagine she thinks I'm just sitting down here playing video games. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, Just that's basically so what you're doing. Troy is streaming Baldur's Gate 3. Right. <laughs> I feel like such an asshole. Today at noon. But uh, no, she understands. But it is kind of shitty. I'd be like, Daddy's got to go uh, stare at Asana tasks <laughs> that I don't want to do. Daddy has to go uh, delay the deadlines of Asana tasks. Uh, right. Have to go change them. some deadlines of Asana tasks. <laughs> push the that multiple takes a days. good hour. All right. Well, welcome back. Uh, we got some exciting news this week. Uh, lots of news to get into. We're going to talk about a heavy role play episode in episode 17 of campaign two. Yep. Uh, very, very light on We Are Stupid, but there is a little mention in there. Uh, we're going to be targeting Troy LaValle. What? We Are Stupid. So keep an eye out for that. Keep an ear out for that. And then, of course, some listener mail. We're going to do a, a two bagger today if we can fit it in. I got two great questiones I got to get to. So let's kick it off quickly with the news. The biggest news. This is a big week. It's, it's, a, se- it's a season premiere week. It's a premiere week. Yeah. Tell me about it, Troy, because uh, this is your baby. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> time for Chaos Season 2 is finally making its return to the Glass Cannon Network. We had this on the calendar uh, all throughout last year, and it just kept getting bumped because um, it wasn't something I wanted to rush out. And then as it got to be later in the year, I'm like, you know what? This is going to be perfect to like come out in January because we normally have like slow content in January, and we were pretty strong all the way through the end of the year. So, uh, yeah, it's coming out. We've got, uh, four episodes in the can. I think by the premiere, we'll have five eps in the can for, uh, what we're planning to be another 20 episode season. And, uh, the cast is loving it. And it's, uh, it's a totally different beast. It's, uh, it's something that, like, I'm trying to find peace with not dreading to record because I really want to enjoy doing it. But it's just, it's, uh, it's really stretching the, it's the boundaries of like what I'm, I'm comfortable with. So I'm, I'm excited for people to see it because this first step is a banger. Comes that we start strong. Like if you didn't watch season one, I think you should go back and watch it. Or if you're like, uh, done, you know, stopped watching it, uh, I'd say go back, but I'm going to, I start with a very solid review. I think, uh, like a recap of all of season one, uh, to kind of throw people, uh, right back into this. And uh, yeah. <laughs> when I heard review, I thought maybe it was a critical look yeah, a critical at the role play <laughs> of season one. Now, here's what I didn't like about your performance, yeah. Ross. It's uh, an airing of, <laughs> an airing of grievances to start the season. No, I do. I do a, a, a solid recap that, uh, kind of encapsulates everything that happened, but man, it's just, it's a lot. I can't, I can't well, imagine it's very exciting. It's like that's, that's this Friday. So Friday, Friday, 8 p.m. Eastern on YouTube. On YouTube, yes. yes. Not on Twitch. Similar to Gatewalkers, this will be YouTube premieres. You can watch it uh, live together with your friends at 8 p.m. Uh, in the nation. And you guys can all chat and everything. And uh, some of us will be there hanging out. Yeah. And then... Um, and then obviously it's available on YouTube and the podcast will be available at midnight that night. So right at heading into Saturday. Yeah, that's the plan. Um, you know, we, we, we just saw a lot of success moving glass cannon from Twitch to YouTube. So it's something we want to play around with more this year and kind of get back to doing more live, uh, Twitch right. stuff. So I'm excited. I think it's, we've seen like larger audiences for sure, just cause our subscriber base is a lot higher on YouTube. And I think it's, I think it's a better UI for what we're trying to do. 
Yep. And you know what I love about it is the ability to, and I might be speaking out of turn here about what the average viewer, the average customer coming to the channel can do. I don't know if it's just a channel ownership thing. I don't think it is. But if you want, you can watch the video with the chat replay. Yeah. So if you didn't watch it live, at least I know I can, uh, but I don't think that that's, I don't think that that is an own, a channel owner thing. I think that any viewer can come in and watch the chat replay. Do you know for sure? Is that, is that how it works? I'm, for- I'm, I'm positive you can because I'm yeah. logged in as myself on my phone and I like to go back and uh, check out the chat replays. Yeah. So you have yeah, the option of Yeah. So it's of great like, to just yeah. to be able to see that interaction, see the reactions that people have yeah. all in one place as opposed to two different places like we had it last season. So. Very much looking forward to that. And speaking of live content on Twitch, you are live actual the t- today day the, the day of this release yes. Wednesday, uh, January seventeenth. You are live on our Twitch channel playing more Baldur's Gate three one p.m. today. Dude, I'm so into this. I finally Easter. played a session off air, um, which may may be a bit upset about, but I was like, you know what? I am just loving this game, and I don't have enough time to really delve into it. I'm always doing it live. So I was like, fuck it. I'm going to play. I've got like an hour, and I uh, I think I did like an hour and a half. It is so phenomenal. And like I, <laughs> the space with which I was playing it, I don't think I quite realized its brilliance, but now that I'm spending some more time with it consistently, it is just such an amazing, amazing game. So I don't know. I, I'd like to see it all the way through. Are you playing it on PS5? Yeah, I'm playing on PS5. Okay. Um, and you're liking the interface and everything? Oh like my the, God, the yeah. controller use is very easy and simple. It's, and Yeah, it's fantastic. You know, it's it's one of those games that you can, sometimes you just have to sit down and be like, I'm just going to do some inventory management. Or I'm just going to like uh, look at my spells and that. stuff like that. Yeah. I love those kind of games where you're like, I know I don't really want to get into it today. I just want to do a little cleanup. You right. know, I, I just love that kind of stuff. I used to do that on uh, Dragon Age Inquisition all the time. It was, I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to look at my weapons today. Uh, <laughs> but this is great. I like sort by weight. And I'm like, why did I pick up that crate? I don't need that. <laughs> that's, that's yeah, it's, it's like you're carrying around a barrel of beer and it's <laughs> like a ridiculous weight. You're like, when did I pick this up? I haven't had any encumbrance issues yet, but I know they're coming. So I'm just trying to get ahead of it. And then I'll be like, what? I've got this magical fucking sword that no one's using. And I'll have to look and see who can use it. But I mean, it's just... It's a real wonderful game, and it kind of gets me itching to like play a little five E before it switches over to six. Yeah, this is fun. There's some like the bonus action. I really like the bonus action. I I try to really make use of it because it's so tactical. These all these combats are so tactical, and you really have to like kitchen sink some of them because you'll just stumble into something where you're third level and you're fighting a, a creature that's sixth level, and you're like, I either got to flee or be like really on top of my shit. And uh, so I was fighting this huge spider off air and uh, like huge. And it was just, it, it was a phase. It could phase. It could like plane shift to like phase right next to you and just whoa, poison all of you. I'm like, holy, sh- this is really hard. And I noticed that it kept like walking on a web. So I shot a firebolt to the web, burned the web. It fell and like lost half of its hit points. And then it started walking like over this pit and I burned the web and it fell like straight to the underdark and it was gone. And then I just have to like clean up the mobs. So you get a huge XP boost and you know, you really have to like think at the whole, whole board, but it's, it's getting, it's like getting my juices flowing for uh, tactical combat. That's great. That's great. Uh, no tactical combat uh, in this week's GCP. Well, we'll get to yep. that in a second. I'm also streaming this week live on Twitch this Friday. Uh, I did a Friday 12 Eastern slot last week. I'm going to do it again this week. And we're going to keep playing Returnal, which I did uh, play off air. I told people I was going to play it off air because I was like, I'm playing this game. I'm having too much fun. <laughs> and uh, don't worry. I made no progress because it is impossibly <laughs> difficult. And I will not be finishing the game. It is too hard. Uh, it, it is like... 
souls level hard minimum. So really? it's like, yeah, yeah. Wow. It's like, so you've got yes. to like take your time, be very cautious on every I turn. have fought the first boss like four times. And that doesn't sound like a lot. But the problem is you have to repeat the entire board each time to beat the, to get to the boss. So it's like, yeah. Uh, and it's There's not, no, like, mis- it's, but it's not a things. miserable experience because okay. every time the board's completely new and everything's changes, shifts, shifts, new weapons, new abilities, new boosts, new armor, new magic, like every single run. And it's fun. It's a lot of fun, but it's hard, man. And I, I like last time I was off air and I was like, I got what I need. I'm going in. You know, and I took the boss fight the farthest I had taken it yet, but then I died. I was like, God damn it. So it, it, uh, you know, if I beat this thing, it's going to be amazing. Uh, Dude, it's going to be worth it. My video, like Instagram and TikTok algorithm is just like spamming me with Elden Ring, uh, videos. And I haven't played since I platinumed it. Uh, but it's really like make me think, humble is it time to get back into fucking Elden Ring. <laughs> <laughs> I did do two a total full runs. build I've never done or something. I did two full runs, absolutely loved it, and I've got a third one on deck, which is I think yeah. your initial runs. Like I've never done the full strength and full what's the stat where you wear heavier armor? Um like the, you know, those two things. Endurance. Yeah. So like yeah. big armor, big two handed weapon, no shield kind of run. I haven't done yet. So I'm those looking forward to that. But I, uh I, I you know, we'll 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 see. One of these days. But I'm, I'm glad days. I'm I'm playing this one. I was All gonna right, wait for the DLC. I was gonna like I'll just wait for the DLC yeah. and then do like a true new run. Because sometimes like you have to be halfway through the game to unlock to, to the DLC. Unlock the DC, yeah. Yeah, DLC. Um also live this week is the uh we continue actually, I should say Glass Cannon Labs Deadlands is continuing, but if you it was yesterday, meaning yeah. Tuesday this week, we had to do a session. So if you missed it and you're just hearing about this, watch the VOD on t- our Twitch channel because it's coming back next Thursday, the 25th. So next Thursday, the 25th is part four, but you might have missed part three, which was yesterday. Uh, so check that out if you did miss it. And then one more piece here before we get into the episode, which was a note McD sent me. He wants us to know... That And it's so funny because you brought it up in GCP episode 17 is the cast dice that were crafted in the Norse foundry. The forge. In the forge of the Norse. <laughs> and uh, we had a lot of uh, just logistical problems with it that were – you know, hard to pin down. It's nobody's fault. Just like shit got uh, wires were crossed or whatever. But now it's all been squared away and it should be coming like an available on the website this week. So keep an eye out uh, to our social channels because sometimes this sometime this week, you should see those go up uh, on sale, unique dice sets for each player with unique boxes, dice carved dice boxes for each player. Yeah. So uh, it's kind of fun if you guys want to uh, check that out. Keep an eye on our socials for that. Yeah, they're fun. Angeline, who does all of our tour posters, uh, they created these designs on the boxes based on uh, our personalities and suggestions we made to them. <laughs> and they're, I mean, they're all great and unique in their own way. And they were available at the Philly show, but yours and mine were like stuck on a, a boat near China. And <laughs> yeah. so they never made it over. We finally got those in, but getting them to our uh, our merch purveyor and getting all the photos up, uh, those if those are out th- this week, uh, they're going to be in super limited quantity. And ours have never been sold. So, like, uh, if you're interested in buying them, uh, make sure you get them because once they run out of stock, I don't know when we'll get them back. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Let's get into the episode. So GCP yeah. episode 17 is a heavy role play episode. We're kind of delving into the mystery here as we come across our first real what I would call big, like, deposition, right? Like, we go to deposition. Pa Mosby's farm to interview a witness, a couple, per- perhaps, witnesses. Or actually, it was just interview Pa Mosby, who apparently had an incident with a Gorga, and uh, we should just talk to this person. But when we get there, we find out there's also something going on with his son. And so this sort of combo led to two different quote-unquote interrogations, where we asked these people what their experiences were and what had happened to them, and we start to piece, you know, little bits of clues together. And uh, this is where we come into We Are Stupid. So uh, Professor Eric wanted to highlight, uh, he said no notes in terms of rules on this week's episode, obviously, but he wanted to highlight that Troy LaValle is doing an unbelievable job <laughs> GMing. He said, I don't want, I'm not going to say anything else. Because he he's running it. He's running Gatewalkers. He yes. knows it really well. And he's like, he did stuff in this that was just GM level stuff that was phenomenal. Uh, and so I, I wanted to share that with you. And then That's also, nice. you know, remind everyone that the best way to get and keep a job here at the Glass Cannon Network is to lay offerings at the ego of Troy Valley. It's true. My love language is praise. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to me about what he's talking about. Obviously, you can't go into too much detail, mm. but it, here's what I'm guessing. I'm guessing Pa Mosby's farm doesn't have a whole lot in the book, and you kind of brought it to life. I, I don't know. Talk to me about what, what's happening here. I'm hesitant to say too much, I think. Yeah, uh, I know it's a weird situation because we're still in the middle of the mystery. Yeah, and like when I, I think that – I don't know if you guys – Maybe it's something that I'm imposing upon you because I feel this way. But I think there's a tendency out there that like when stuff is being added to the adventure or changed that um, a player may scoff at knowing that. Uh, so can we just – there's no way that what you've come up with is better than what the adventure writers did. Um, you know, Maybe it's just something that I feel like sometimes I'm like, this isn't it. That's exactly how you feel. I, and and so that is not I, how I feel. <laughs> I impress that upon people. You know, so I'm, I'm hesitant to say like what's in the book or what's not. But like I will say that, you know, over the next few weeks, there is very little in the book about what's to go down. And so, um, but I think that, and I think that there are ways that these next few sessions could be handled by some GMs where it's just a lot of rolling and very little role playing and we just move on uh, to the next thing. But I wasn't interested in, in doing that. I was interested in just kind of playing with you guys to give you guys an opportunity 
to role play. You know, we just came out of a big dungeon. I wanted a chance for you guys to to talk more. And I think the best way to do that is just to present you with NPCs and uh, give them some quirks and see what happens. And uh, I think what really helps is like, I know, I know what's going on really well. I think I've, I've done, I've done my homework. And so what I'm doing is this sort of experimental uh, GM tactic. I don't want to call it where I'm just kind of like, uh, you ever heard the expression jumping off a cliff and building your wings on the way down? Yeah. Yeah. This is kind of what I'm doing. Like I'm just starting with something that I don't really know where it's going to go. Like an improv game, like a Harold improv and seeing what you guys latch onto and then just playing with you and, Throughout the course of that play, seeing if I can bring in story elements. And that's kind of what happened here. Like, it's funny. I, there's no way I can, uh, no way I can say this without sounding conceited, but I just, it, while I was in the moment, and this used to happen when I did plays on stage, I was just, I'd be like, oh man, I am in zone right now i could like i could step outside of myself and like just watch myself in threes like left <laughs> or right. just, i could watch myself on stage and you just knew in some performances like oh man i am in the pocket right now and i just i felt like that in the episode because i was surprising myself i was like oh man i am making it rain out here and i have i'm looking in at my computer and there's just there's nothing there it's just like we're playing and, and doing stuff like that. And I, you know, it helps having thousands of hours, um, of, of practice in front of me, but it was, it was and really, with really these cool. People. With these people. Yeah. With these I mean, players, we've, been, you know. we've toured the country together. It, it, it makes a big, big difference, but I was just like really surprising myself. And it's something that I'm trying to do, uh, a lot more of. And I've talked about this before, but to see it actually work in practice was, was, right, well, was a cool moment. I'm going to come at you a little bit here because yeah. A, I don't like you hearing, I don't like hearing you talk so greatly about yourself. I understand. Got you, got to knock you down a peg. Please. But I also, um, I don't think this is helpful for anyone to hear how great you are. You talk about how great you are. So let's see how we can, uh, yeah, come to something practical that can advice. help somebody, right? Which is like, you said you were prepping less, less than ever these days because of uh, how you wanted to approach this new game. Now, part of that fits into what you're saying right here, but part of it doesn't jive with me, which is, you know, you saying, you know, this adventure so well, you did your homework. Like, you also said you were prepping less. So what's the truth here? Is it well, because having you read more of this adventure that total than you ever read of Giant Slayer? Like yeah, ahead? for sure. For sure. Right. But what does it mean when you say you're prepping less then? Because I'm prepping less of the interactions. Like I don't have dialogue written out, whereas in the past, maybe I would have snippets of dialogue or, or whole speeches ready to go that I would have to change in the moment based on what you guys said. I'm not doing any of that. I'm just like really tapping into what's happening. Man, I wish I could. I kind of want to tell you more because it would be helpful. Like I don't want to just pat myself on the back. Um it's funny. So Francis does the video editing and I've mm -hmm. been doing the audio editing, but I'm, I'm training him on the audio editing to take this off my plate. And so we've been, we did this episode together. And so we're on a, 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 a what's a fucking zoom call while I'm logged in to the work computer from my home and I'm editing there and I'm stopping to like explain why I'm making a certain cut or why I'm changing something. And throughout the course of this episode, there was only one edit. It was almost an, a completely unedited episode. And there was one little <laughs> bad start to training. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this it was, is what it was, it's always like, but it's yeah. funny. I mean, it was almost the first, 
perfect episode. Perfect episode and sort of no edits. I, I've never had a no edit episode. Maybe you have. I think you maybe have. But I've, the, I've always I've, had like one. I've done some no edit episodes of Blood of the Wild. Um, uh, I th- there might have been one or two of Legacy of the Ancients, but Blood of the Wild has a handful already yeah. of of perfect uh, apps. Just because Jared and Mary Lou uh, and Paula to a certain extent as well are so accustomed to live play that it just it, it helps make the edit a little bit easier. Oh my god! When we switched in COVID, you know, put Giant Slayer and, and Androids on hold and started playing more. I mean, those years of being live or recording without editing and also doing live shows it has completely changed how we do things. I think back to early GCP. I mean, I'd be making edits every three seconds, even yeah. in role play episodes, just like oh that was clunkier. That was like. It just doesn't happen anymore. The edits are so easy, and I purposely leave stuff in that maybe other podcasts would edit out because I want to. I want you to see a little bit how the sausage is rawness. Wanted want to to seem raw, but this one had like one thing where like you went to talk, and I said I started to talk, and then I stopped to let you finish, and I just cut that out. That was the only cut in the episode. But anyways, it wasn't a great episode for him to learn my process. <laughs> However, I during it I was pausing and explaining like, so this here I just completely made up, and they kind of latched onto it so then i um i just i was giving him like a director's cut of explaining like my process and he was like man this would be so good for people to know i'm like i know but i can't i feel i don't really want to talk about it too much but then later i'd be like all right you see right here in this moment is when i realize that i can tie this in to something in the larger narrative and then but so i was like going through my process while watching it with him but what i will say is that Fuck, I really don't want to give too much away. All right, so for example, when when Jiminy is like, oh, the devil's, devil's going to take me away. I just thought that was a funny joke that I could make to make you guys yeah. laugh. And that was supposed to be the end of it. But when you latched onto it, I just turned it into something else and it ended up being, in my opinion, the highlight of the episode when Brother Ramius is conducting yeah, it's, this. Yeah, it was so intense. Scene. But the thing is, like, I have in my brain important things to get out to you guys or to like that the adventure doesn't wouldn't explicit, explicitly tell the players that I think would really help you guys uh, along the way. So I'm just as as you become interested in things, I'm finding ways to get that information out for okay. role play. Well, this brings me to my next and final question for this one, because we are at an important juncture in the story in that I can't dig too deep here. It, it's not the time to go digging into process and the mystery because we're really at uh, – we're just at the – what? Uh, we're just seeing what's above the surface right now. Like yeah. there's so much beneath and I don't want to try to push you into uh, spoiling things at all. However, from a GM standpoint, this is my final question and you just started saying this. Like how do you determine the pace at which you trickle clues, right? Like because you have to get us – a certain amount of information to move the story forward in some way. And you want that. I mean, do you completely control that is, is I guess another question is like, do you sometimes hold back? Because I don't recall a lot of die rolls in this episode. Like you I don't recall before you talk to Paul Mosby. And then I say, based on the results of that, we'll see what information comes out. Right. Um, but it all kind of felt like it came out of, out of role play. And, you know, I don't know. I guess I'm just like, is there a methodology to how many clues you get in an episode, right? That kind of thing. Like, was there one major thing in this episode that we figured out that even if we don't know it's major yet, did you release that 
by your decision or did that come because of a dice roll? Like there's information you got and there's information you missed based on your roles. Now I imagine there are GMs out there that are running this. that will be like, all right, so you go to Paul Mosby's farm, everybody roll one of these four checks and you roll those checks and you're like, this is what you learned to Paul Mosby's farm. You learned this, this, and this. All right. So now what do you guys want to do? You want to rest and go to the thin lands farm and that's it. Perfect. I, I'm 100 percent sure there are people who run. That's my like kind of game. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I enjoy it. I know everybody else really enjoys you know these the, these extended uh, role play kind of things. But I just like I'm greedy for the clues. I'm like, just give me the yeah. clues. Well, well, here's the thing: is <laughs> what what we did allowed you to get. Those same clues that, uh, you know, another game might get without the role play. But I was also able to layer in some, some right. very interesting things about the deeper mystery going on here that you would have, would, there's no way you would have got it. In fact, I, I think it's possible you wouldn't even get it until like, much later in the story and it, it wouldn't have the same impact because now and you as the gm would not have had a, as much fun weaving that together because you wouldn't have had that opportunity like you said yourself some of these opportunities came up to you in the moment you didn't think yeah. of them while you were prepping the episode no i just i kind of listen to what you guys are interested in and roll with it and then as i'm doing that i'm like oh i'm thinking live you know because we're not cutting we're not editing i'm like oh my god this could be a, a great opportunity to start trickling in something here that's not even like explicitly said in the book because i know when you guys realize something later it's going to have so much more impact um even if it goes away from the story so i'm trying to like get to a point now where i just i read what's in the book it's like interesting okay now let's go play our game and see what happens and if it's if it's close to what the book is doing great if it's exactly like the book great if it's something completely different that's okay too. And time for chaos has really given me the confidence uh, to do that. Now, the difficult thing is when you're doing this and you're giving the players sort of the the keys to the car. Um, the difficulty is like if their choices or what they're interested in isn't interesting, you as a GM then have to find a way to pivot it into something interesting, uh, or like just let them know that like this line of thinking is not going to lead anywhere. And, and that's tricky because sometimes I think, and I've done this before, it, you can let it go on for too long and you know that like this isn't going to lead to anything. And maybe it's because you're sitting there thinking like, can I turn this into something? And then you realize you can't. Uh, otherwise, other times it's like they're just harping on something that is a dead end. And sometimes you have to be like, all right, so you talk to him for a little while and there's really nothing else you're going to get out of him. And you got to be comfortable doing that as well. Well, yeah, you know what? I mean, I kind of felt, if I'm honest, I kind of felt like that in the very, very beginning of the episode, I didn't like the approach of anyone at the table, from what I recall, this was a while ago, to the uh, the scratched-in symbol on the floor. Like, that was the big cliffhanger of the previous episode. Yeah. We begin the episode in the room, and you're kind of like, so where are you headed? Pa Mosby's farm? And I'm like, hold on a second. Like and, and people are like debating like the, the Thin Lands Farms or Pa Mosby's farm. Let, let's just go to Pa Mosby. You know what I mean? And I'm just like, how are we not talking about the elephant in the room? Right? Like someone did this. And my first instinct, uh, my meta instinct was that there was nothing there and th- there was nothing we were going to find out from that thing. It was just meant to creep us out and you had nothing to add to it. And maybe some of the players kind of picked up on that, but I was like, I can't in good conscience as a character, not be like, 
where did this come from? Who heard what? Nobody heard anything. What's the symbol? What's the hi- history of this symbol? You know what I mean? So like, I don't know. What was your feelings on that moment? Did you kind of get to a point where you got, you, were you almost like, I got to tell them, like, you're not going to get anything from this. No, I, it's I just meant I, to creep you out. Now, can you move on? I think I just in my brain, I was trying to think, I was just trying to know what your guys' plan were, so, was so I could start thinking about what to do. Yeah. And so I just forgot maybe that like you guys just found this and that it might have some impact on you, you know? Yeah. Um, I just wanted some direction on where we were go- going. I, I, it's just, I, I think it was just callous, uh, carelessness. Like I should have been like, so what do you guys do about this star here? Um, yeah. It wasn't that it wasn't important. I think I just wanted to like start mentally preparing for what you guys were going to do because Thinland's farms is much different from Pa Mosby's farm. And so right. in my head, I have to like start thinking about how am I going to make this interesting? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't, we didn't really get much from that uh, symbol, but it did, it creeped the hell out of me. And uh, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's important that someone, you know, is able to get that close to us without being detected. Like that is freaky and, right. uh, and rightfully so. And uh, we don't need all the answers today, but it's just something to think about. Dude, we're cooking. I mean, it's really like we're, we're in it now. I think that the giant slayer, it was like right around episode 12, the, the orc raid and Jason, the Jason situation where you've, that's what really hooked people. And I wish it didn't take 12 episodes to do that. But I, I kind of think the same thing is happening here. Um, it's not that those first, the, the initial episodes don't have that same pop. It's just now. Now everyone's on, everyone kind of understands what the situation is here. We've got a new character. We've lost a character. And, uh, the mystery, while still very opaque, is starting to coalesce in weird ways. And the, your enemy seems really close now. At first, it was this esoteric, like, Bolon, he must be a problem. And then you realize, oh, there's somebody else. But now, now you're seeing things in alleyways. You're seeing symbols outside your door. You're talking to people who've been haunted by visions through two generations. Uh, like, what the fuck is going on here? Right. And we're talking about an, an enemy who is potentially millennia old, right? Like, yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it is a daunting task, uh, with, with more to come next week, obviously. So we'll, we'll yeah. keep digging into it next week. But for now, let's get in some listener mail, uh, before we head out of here. Good buddy. There he is. Mr. Nick Lowe, ladies and gentlemen. On the ones and twos. All right, let's kick it off with Journalist Joe from the UK. Journalist Joe has appeared on The Fodder before. Journalist Joe asks the hard-hitting questions. Oh, boy. Journalist Joe is good at what he does. You know what he's not good at? Journalist Joe from the UK? Spelling? Spelling the word favorite. <laughs> How did according. They put, a, did he put a U in there? He puts a U in that there, that dummy. Go take a left to hell. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for real, like, it's just so funny to me how Google Docs is like, that is misspelled. <laughs> Favorite. R- really? You're just an American program? Uh, <laughs> it's a different setting. You have to pull, pour tea all over your keyboard. Then it right. Uh, journalist Joe asks a question I think is, is going to come some, ready for some hot debate on the boards. Woo! He starts it right off. I know there's a mixed opinion on this, but I... Love, capital O-L-O-V-E, fan crits and fumbles. <laughs> the randomness, unbalanced, and often universe-breaking nature of them is pure entertainment to me. 
As it seems, one E-Starfinder content on the network is not going to make a comeback. Could we get a regular <laughs> segment where Skid reads ANA submissions and gives a brutally honest review? No, I, I don't think that that's going to happen anytime soon. <laughs> but uh, he says, one of my favorite parts, this is where he misspelled it, of every show is each time a Natty 20 or Natty 1 is rolled, the mixture of dread and excitement is palpable. Could I kill a PC? Or more likely, will Skid brand me an idiot? Either way, I can't wait. So uh, it is a good question. This is something we've discussed uh, internally a few times. I just wanted to kind of bring it out there, put it out there in the ether for people to talk about it. People may not know this that are not uh, on certain boards, uh, whether it be subreddit or Discord. There's a lot of people that do not like fan crits and fumbles because yeah. they think that they they foul up the game balance. And the game balance is very important to uh, ensuring both that the characters survive when they're meant to and don't survive when they're meant to, right? Like the, the what is meant to happen, the f- correct fate of the story in their estimation gets messed with. Uh, on the other hand, uh, I think a lot of people just think they're fun and funny and the more dangerous and the more imbalanced, the better. Uh, can I ask you like where, where you stand on it as, as a gamer, Troy? Yeah, Not as so- a businessman. As a gamer, I can't divorce the two because they're so important. <laughs> they are uh, one. They have I, become one. I think it is a very fun way for our subscribers to interact and engage with our content and for us to engage with them. I think it's, I think it's great. I think that, uh, they, despite our best efforts, we've had a hard time curating them because there's just so many more subscribers than there were initially. It was a lot easier to like update the spreadsheet every once in a while. And so sometimes things will come out and be like, whew, man, that needed a, that needed about four or five edits before it got to the show. Um, and so that's tricky. And like, I don't like the game breaking ones, but I think I've also become better at just like restating them in the game world. Right. You know, it's like, all right, well that didn't happen. Uh, <laughs> an alien didn't pop out of the sky. You know, it, uh, it was, it was a good instance that strange aeons recently. It was like a hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy one, I think. And I was like, well, we'll say that like you're, you're, you fell back and something hit on your head. So I like to restate them. That's for flavor's sake. That's just kind of fun for the audience. It's just like making sure that the game world isn't breaking. Um, but I understand people not liking them. Uh, I think it's tricky. I think it's also tricky that they, they worked differently in first edition than they do in second edition where crits are so more, uh, so they just happen more often, but we're still only doing them on nat twenties and nat ones. So, I mean, I think overall, I like them. I think that they just need, they need a type of, um, editing that we are currently unable to like. We're the, we're, they need more care than we're able to give them. Yeah, with our sort yeah. Of well, I think in one respect, I think that you have the you can absolutely blame us, not the the uh, submitters for imbalanced or uh, silly crits and fumbles that take you out of it. Right. If your complaint is that they take me out of the, the, the story. Uh, you can blame us for that. We, it's just something that has been really, really hard for us to devote time to with all the other stuff that we have going on. The, the proper curating of those submissions. So that's on us. That said, I think that curating during the show is perfectly fine. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I think tweaking the, the GM is always in control of the game. There's plenty of times in Blood of the Wild where Jared just says, I'm not even pulling a Cranford or fan could or fumble on this one. I don't want to. Uh, and there's reasons for that. And, and the GM is always in control. The GM can always change whatever they want if something seems ridiculous. However, um, I agree that I love them, love them because it is a, a way to see 
all of the different people that we don't know that are a part of our show. You know what I yeah, mean? And and, yeah. to, and to hear their names and where they're from, what what countries they're from, you know, uh, what far off places. It's just fantastic. Uh, we had one recently. I don't know if the episode's aired or not, but uh, we had one recently that I was editing that was from uh, Alaska. And I was like, every time I see one from Alaska, I'm just like, thank you so much <laughs> for listening to our show. And I hope you get out. I hope it's okay. Uh, I hope you survive. Juno. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I do. I, I just, I love the interaction and I am never concerned. Look, I don't run any Pathfinder games on this <laughs> network anymore. If I did, I wouldn't be concerned in the least with these things. I would change anything I wanted on the fly as a GM that I felt was crazy. You know, if it was like, you, if you roll this failure, you're frightened five. I'd be like, okay, you're frightened too. Okay. <laughs> and let's move on. Like, I don't care about maintaining the sanctity of the original submission. What yeah. I care about is hearing their name and hearing where they're from yeah. and letting them know that we appreciate them being a fan. That's it. Yeah, that's like what that they're too. there for. Uh, I think we all me. have to have a better understanding that like Joe's going to read it and then the GM is going to decide how it actually works. And everyone <laughs> just has to be OK with that. Right. Um, and yeah, I, I agree that the game system has been built to not have these happen. The game system is built to have crits be as rewarding as they're meant to be and fumbles be not as painful as they're meant to be. We just don't play that game. Our That's game so has a little bit more of swings. It has a little yeah. bit more danger and a little bit more, uh, uh, you know, uh, reward for players, right? There's a little bit more they can go their way. There's a little bit less they can go their way. The question you have to end up asking yourself is, is the game balanced in our game, right? Is the, Does as many bad things happen as good things for the players? And I would venture to say yes. Yeah, I think there's only, correct me if I'm wrong, only been one character death that resulted from a fan fumble which i think was in raiders in raiders yeah um that was and that was but that also resulted uh it just that was coincidental more than anything else yeah it it came from a die roll of a homebrew rule the famous right. 8669 rule. Yeah, yeah. So, it, look, it, there were multiple layers to that. It was a homebrew sort of thing. People don't like that. I get it. But it, at the end of the day, let's boil down what it really was. A die roll. Yeah. It happened because of an extremely unlikely die roll. And that's what kills characters. It's fine. It's fine. The dice. The dice know. They know. They know. They know it's your time. Anyway, thanks, journalist Joe. One more before we get out of here. Yeah. And this goes back to the premiere <laughs> Of Time for Chaos. I hesitate to even ask this question because I feel like you're going to say something mean about oh, me. What? Nick from Vancouver. Thank you for writing in. <laughs> Nick from Vancouver. Nick! Uh, looking ah, back. This is for you, Troy. This is a question yeah. for Troy. Looking back on being a player on Get in the Trunk, has it <laughs> informed you in any way in how you approach running Call of Cthulhu type games? Have you found any little things that you would not have discovered if you were never a player in that sort of mystery type game that you, you know, transfer over to being a GM. Um, trying to think, you know, one of the things I always notice is like, I, I want my players to take really good notes, but then I take shitty notes. <laughs> yeah, my, yeah, you got to practice what you preach a little bit, but I'm like, man, you're really missing out not taking notes here. And then I still like, well, why am I taking notes? I need to take better notes. Um, but you know, I think that, uh, I've, I've definitely been influenced by the, the masterful way with which you handle multi, 
um, multi-location scenes. You know what I mean? Like mm. when one or two investigators are over here and one or two over there. That's definitely informed the way that I do things. Um, in, in Call of Cthulhu, I think they split up a little less than I'd like them to, but at the same time, it's the, it's kind of the only thing that's going to keep them alive because you never know. It's like, oh, you know what? The two of us will go over there. I'm thinking like, you are both going to die if that happens. <laughs> if all four of you go, only one of you will die. Right, uh, right. You know, so it's, it's, it's a but little this tricky. this way, you're both going to die, yeah. Yeah, and, and I feel like in in, in, in so far in, in Delta Green, the way that these scenarios have been paced out, you're kind of always doing stuff to investigate and then getting into trouble, but it's not – you're not faced with death Kind of until the end. Or, you know, you can do a wrong turn into death. Maybe we just haven't. With Call of Cthulhu and, and masks in general, like, you could be like, you know, why don't we just start here and go check this out and be like, get killed uh, mm-hmm. with something like that. Like, they're not written in such a way that it's like the end of the section is your big uh, fight. You know, those tend to have big moments as well. But like, there's so many other ways to die on the way to there. Um, but, uh, you know, I definitely definitely been influenced by that i mean you, you'll you'll see it um you'll see it right away in in the new season and there were a lot of episodes of last year of time for chaos that you you definitely know that i'm i'm cribbing from you and uh in the way it's just like for, hold on one second now let's go back to the hallway and uh you know i i love i love being able to do that and it gets the players being like ah, ah, come <laughs> it's on. like it's mini i hate you yeah it's a mini bunch of mini cliffies yeah um that's really fun. I will say, speaking to your notes thing, that, that that's something that I took, Nick, when I was running Delta Green, that I took from my one season of playing Delta Green, is I, I set out to take really good notes. I was like, I am going to solve this goddamn mystery. I can never solve anything, <laughs> but this time, I'm going to do it. And I really struggled, and I really, you know, I took good notes for a little while, and then I just fell off. And even with my good notes, I couldn't figure anything out, and I got frustrated with it and stuff like that. And it definitely informed me as a handler that hand-holding is okay. You know, that there are times when you can just disseminate information and repeat information and just, you know, don't get on the player so much about note-taking and don't punish them so much for not taking notes uh, because ultimately, like, you you don't either. So shut up. I'm glad that you're kind of in that same zone. Uh, I like to lay everything out. And if you guys come to something on your own, it's it's that much more rewarding and it's great. But if you don't, I'm not going to hold everything back. I will uh, walk you through it and be like, well, you think maybe this and this together could mean X. And it just helps to uh, for everybody to have fun and keep the story moving. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, question. great question. Last thing from Nick real quick. Anything I can look forward to in season two of Time for Chaos? You got any like – is there any, like a little, little nug? Is there uh, any – if you've Anything watched any of the could... promos we've dropped, you probably have an idea of where they're going. Um, but I will say, I mean, right out the gate, uh, there's stuff that, that goes down that even I wasn't prepared for. And I was like, all right, I guess this is going to be a part of this season. And, you know, one of the things that I told them, uh, you know, initially was like, all right, so – you know, think of this season as like another arc for your character. You know, you came in as brand new characters in season one. You started out in Peru and then there was some time passing and then you came into New York and did that. Well, there, there'll be some time passing now, but it's a lot shorter. So think about like what, what direction you want to take your character and what are the secrets they want to uh, get through? What, what do you want to deal with? And then let's see how through improvisation we can, you know, 
work through some of those things and without knowing where the ending's going to be. And so they all kind of came in with very interesting things that right out of the gate, I'm just kind of testing immediately with them through improv. And, you know, you just watching <laughs> Ross Bryant uh, just do unbelievable things uh, right away and watching everyone just watch Ross. It's, it's fun. So I, I can't tell you too, too much, but I will say it gets crazy quick. Okay. Yeah. All right. Good to know. Uh, that is going to wrap it up for this week of the FOD. Uh, thank you, as always, for, for hanging out with us. <laughs> for chilling with your boys with your buddies that's um that's all we got, got we got an encounter <laughs> no we got an, i'm thinking about what's coming we have an encounter coming up the cliffy was danger uh descending upon the camp was it not yeah three gorgas it looks three, like uh, 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 they gave you a handful last time but now your second level should be easy right more to talk about next week including all of Professor Eric's notes on what we're about to do wrong. <laughs> Looking forward to it, guys. Check us out on twitch.tv slash the glass counter for Troy and I's live streams. Time for Chaos Season 2 premieres on Friday night. Gatewalkers is there on Thursday night on our YouTube channel. Check it out there. Thanks, everybody. Have a good one, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Peace on up and out. Thanks for listening to the Glass Cannon Network. For more podcasts and live streams, visit GlassCannonNetwork.com. And for exclusive shows and content you can't find anywhere else, subscribe today at JoinTheNation.com. In the 1970s, John Todd burst onto the evangelical scene with a shocking tale. He claimed to be a former witch involved in a then unheard of secret organization called the Illuminati and urged Christians to prepare for a violent world takeover. First of all, the number one weapon in everybody's home should be a 12-gauge pump shotgun. Hear the amazing story of one of the originators of the modern-day conspiracy theory. From Magnificent Noise and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Cover Up, The Conspiracy Tapes. Welcome to a journey into the heart of the Texas Renaissance Festival, the nation's largest and rowdiest celebration of medieval fantasy. But what lurks beneath the facade of tights and turkey legs? Well, we dove deep into the empire to uncover a history marred by mystery and misconduct murders, assaults, and other crimes that tarnish its legacy. This isn't just a fairy tale. It's a cautionary tale of power, fantasy, and the consequences that follow when they all collide. Search for Crime Waves Renaissance Texas on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now.